I was just thinking about like the one-on-one -on -one coaching we do. We often hear that one of the things that we do on those calls is we challenge their thinking. I think they appreciate getting a different perspective. Sometimes it's nice to have a perspective of somebody that's not involved in the, the necessarily the day-to-day -day or on the team, but for a leader to be able to say, here's what's going on and I, I don't know what I'm missing. Help me understand what the other person may be thinking or why they would have done that. And so Sherry and I like to just challenge their, challenge their thinking a lot as we go. And they usually solve their own problems at that point. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry and Marsha. I am really excited to have you both here today to talk a little bit more about what you do, how you help your clients and how you continue to uh, change the workforce. Absolutely. Thanks for having us first off. Yeah, for sure. So a little background on us. Uh, Marsha and I met in 2001. We were both coming from different organizations and landed on the same sales team. We became fast friends and truly were dubbed this dynamic duo, which we didn't really understand at the time. We thought it was because we get results and we move forward and, and do things well within our territories. But what we found later in life is really we have a lot of the same strengths, but we certainly have some gaps. So my opportunities um, or areas that I need to improve on, Marsha is very strong in. So we just work well together because of that. And it's great to have that person next to you then. Fast forward, we worked at, at sales for 10 years together and then each worked in business development in a different organizations and then came back to work together in a startup company that truly helped us launch our own business lead to inspire because we were able to sit down across the table and build out training for individuals young leaders were coming to us asking questions and i think we both vividly remember sitting in a conference room one day and the light bulb went off for us it was a successful training on how to have difficult conversations with a lot of young leaders and the room was packed and there was great conversation and when they all left the room, Marsha and I looked at each other and we went, this was amazing. What if we did this every day? And so that was really the launch to Lead to Inspire four years ago. Awesome. That's sweet. I, I love how you guys have been in each other's lives for 10 years. And it's you've just connected off and on until this all happened. And congrats yeah. on your four years, too. That's very exciting. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have set up a, a four part podcast because we're celebrating you guys' four years of being in business. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is being intentional and being present. Do you want to just dive into that and I guess give us the big picture and then we can dive in a little deeper? Yeah. So I would say Sherry and I always have believed that we've, and we've said this to each other, like work smarter, not harder and really believed that we were pretty intentional with the, the way that we worked. And I think we really have found it, when you start a business and there's two of you and you're responsible for all of it, although you're not great at all of it, you've really got to get intentional about how you spend your time, the projects that you work on. The be present part for us was really important too, because prior to starting our own business, we were had always worked in the corporate world and other people really drove our projects, our, the things that we were working on. And you get to a point sometimes where you're like, I don't know if that's exactly how I want to spend every day. And am I making the impact in the world that I want to? And so this be intentional, be present has been the mantra for us. It goes way beyond just working smarter and not harder, but it's really being intentional in all that we do. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Knowing that it's okay to say no. I think yeah. that was a big thing for me because we all want to be all things to all people. And so I'll just say yes to everything. And then at the end of the day, you dread having to go to that committee meeting or whatever it is. And I think when we gave ourselves the, the opportunity to say no to the things that we aren't passionate about, because there are 10 other people out there who would probably love to be on that committee who really have a passion for it. Let them serve their passion and, and focus. It, it It's hard to say no the first time, but then when you realize how freeing it is, it, and that works in leadership every day. Um, mm -hmm. There are some things you can't say no to, but there are other things that truly you can, and it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. What are the biggest hurdles for your clients when they start saying no, essentially, and being intentional about what their projects are, their passions are? What is the hardest hurdle that they get over? And then what are some of the outcomes that really are positives after the fact once they learn how to do it? I'd say it's a big mindset shift to, to like Sherry said, give yourself permission to say no and to really step back and evaluate the things that are, you know, are being asked of you. If it is to sit on a board or a committee or to take on a project, if it's it doesn't really align with um, who you are, your goals, your focus, then it is okay to say no. But I think to Sherry's point, it until you give yourself that permission and until you really start to exercise that, it, it's a mindset shift to believe that it's okay to say no and to really be intentional about um, the things that you're saying yes to. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you everything that you're saying yes to has a lot more, you just get so much more out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really important in my opinion. And it's, it's hard to say no initially. And I've even found that, but it's also really re rewarding in the end and a positive transition for sure. For sure. It, it's a behavioral shift, right? And anytime that we're trying to create a new habit or change a behavior, there's work involved with it. So I think it is that shifting of mindset and really practicing some of the ways to be able to say no effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the thing that I think about too, is it's uh, figuring out what you're intentional about as well. So you can have a thousand and one things that you believe are part of your, your story or your goals or whatever, but oftentimes that can be overwhelming, especially when you have a thousand and one things that you feel is important. And narrowing that down to a niche is very valuable. But, yeah. Well, think about, the, think about your to-do list. I yeah. think that's something we always challenge people with because everybody always says, well, I want better time management. Oftentimes it comes down to what you need to do and it's being intentional about how impactful you can be in a day. So if you look at your to-do list, how many things are on there? Some people will say, oh, there's at least 150 things. We set ourselves up for failure because we try to accomplish that every single day, which we can't do. And when we get to the end of the day and we haven't accomplished 150 things, then we feel like a failure. And that's unfortunate. So when you can actually be more intentional and prioritize and figure out those three or four things that you absolutely need to get done today. And then you have your other things you can do if you have time, but then you can feel successful at the end of the day and it just helps drive you into the next day and you become more productive. And I think something we always challenge our clients with is pick the thing on that priority list that you want to do. You just don't want to do. <laughs> we all have those things that we like to push off until last. We'll do that first. You can be a great procrastinator when you don't want to get something, when you just don't want to do it. Yeah. Do that first. Then you don't have that hanging over your head. It's just, those are ways to work smarter and yeah. to accomplish more and to feel better at the end of the day. 
Yeah. You really absolutely. waste a lot of energy worrying about thinking about that thing that you don't want to do, or you're not quite sure how to start. And if you would just dive right in, you get on to the next thing and you're not wasting so much time or energy on it. Yeah. yeah. I had one gentleman who said he was a, a true procrastinator and he ended up removing all of the apps from his phone, like the Facebook or the social medias. He removed the games, everything, because he found himself going to those when he didn't want to do the report he had to do or whatever it was. And that was successful for him. Not everybody can do that or wants to, but that worked yeah. for him. Yeah, that's a good example of how we can get rid of those distractions to make sure that we're on the right page. The other thing I think about too is being able to empower your team, especially if you're a manager or a leader, to do those other 99 things that um, you have on your plate but don't necessarily need to do. You can pass that down. And I think that goes really well with the second um, point that you guys have given me is focusing on solving specific problems for specific people. Obviously, it changes day by day and who you're talking to and what specific people you're um, working with and working for. But I think that's a really important thing. Do you guys want to go into a little bit more depth of what your thoughts around solving problems for specific people? We have constantly tried to fine tune what we bring to our clients and who we are as Lead to Inspire. Overall, and the bottom line for us is we want to invest in people and we love seeing that light bulb moment when we work with people and can help them with something. But I think when you align yourself with the right partner or the right client, and the big piece for us was we could say no to a client if we wanted to, if those values didn't align. If we go back to our biggest partner right now, our biggest client, and we've been working together for three years and we do a leadership academy with them, that has continually evolved each of the three years. And obviously this company has grown each of these three years as well. But Marsha and I could easily lay out, here's the 12 month plan, this is everything we're gonna do each month. And we certainly know what we're gonna do each month, but the topics change. And I think we've gotten so much better at listening in our one-on-ones, our group calls, and really hearing what the leaders are saying is their need at that moment. And that's what we use then to catapult us into the next webinar we're gonna do. Um, what skill they need to work on, what area they need to work on. And that truly is helping us solve problems for them to help them keep at the top of their game and to help them continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. It's customized solutions for different absolutely. teams. Yeah, and that's really important especially with the different teams, but then also your own team. You, I think about the different people that are a part of teams and how maybe one is a high D on the disc score, but then the other one is a high S on the disc score and how drastically different their personalities may be and being able to serve them with the right intentions and the right even approach to talking with them. That's so important. And I'm sure that you guys have plenty of stories about how you have shifted <laughs> your, your business to make sure to serve your clients in terms of shifting for their exact needs. You want to share one? <laughs> As you were talking, I was just thinking about like the one-on-one -on -one coaching we do. We often hear that one of the things that we do on those calls is we challenge their thinking. I think they appreciate getting a different perspective. Sometimes it's nice to have a perspective of somebody that's not involved in the, the necessarily the day-to-day -day or on the team, but for a leader to be able to say, here's what's going on and I, I don't know what I'm missing. Help me understand what the other person may be thinking or why they would have done that. And so Sherry and I like to just challenge their, challenge their thinking a lot as we go. And they usually 
solve their own problems at that point, but it's just nice to be able to talk it through. Yeah. I think going back to the disc profile, I think so often we're in those one-on-one or even the group calls, but it usually happens in the one-on-ones where there's someone maybe they're butting heads with or a team member, they just don't listen to them or they don't, in their mind, they don't listen to them. And it's really taking it back and, and helping remind them, okay, are you approaching them how you want to communicate? Or are you really adhering to what they need to hear and what they, are you listening to what they need? Are you listening to what their needs are so that you can really help them? Too often we look at our communication all from our own perspective and we forget that teammate or that employee, that team member may need to hear something different. If we're repeating ourselves constantly, and I think that's something we hear a lot from leaders is, well, I told them four times and I'm done with it. They just don't, and maybe they're putting them on a plan. And it's, wait a minute, have you looked in the mirror? Is it something that maybe starts with you? Do you need to communicate to them differently? Do you need to maybe give them some more hands-on training? Do they really understand why they're doing what they're doing? So it's helping them take, we hear that a lot and it's that light bulb moment for them because all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, maybe somebody else isn't hearing what I'm saying. Maybe I need to work on my approach. So we're all constantly learning and Marsha and I always say we learn just as much in our coaching calls and in our group sessions as hopefully what the people we're teaching do. And that's what we have to do, keep growing personally and professionally for sure. Yeah. And the other thing I think about with that is what you're actually asking to. It's not telling, it's asking questions and actually letting the person that you're speaking to come up with a solution themselves. I think that's so empowering and so needed in the workplace this t- yeah. today. For example, if I were to go be told that I need to do X, Y, and Z, I would be really, no, I don't see that on my plate versus if you actually decide that's something you want to do, that's so much more valuable and empowering and people actually feel motivated to go do that then if it's their idea versus being um, told. And I think that's something that we all need to think about. And we're all guilty of saying, hey, go do this. But when we empower people to actually create their own decisions and figure themselves out, that's so valuable. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. We talk a lot about just the value of an engaged team versus an unengaged team. And engaged people are the ones who are showing up. They're, they're, it's often because you're, they're being asked their opinions and their thoughts and how can we approach this differently or that differently. And they get up wanting to help solve those problems versus just punching the clock and doing their time, which to Sherry and I seems dreadful. We spend too much time at work to not really enjoy what we do. And so to feel like you have a voice, your opinion matters, those things all help to create a team that's engaged and enjoy coming to work every day and helping to solve those problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that rolls really well into the third point that you guys have is that mindset is everything. And do you guys want to touch on that a bit more and then we can dive in deeper? Yeah. So we do feel like mindset is where we start with a lot of the um, coaching that we do. Mindset really is everything. There's a Henry Ford quote that says, whether you think you will, or you think you won't, you're right. I actually use it with my kids a lot as well. But if you go in or you approach something and you think it's not going to work, it's the impossible, odds are it's not going to work. Whether, but if you approach it with the mindset of, I, I believe we can make this happen, my, you've got a positive attitude, it's everything. And sometimes with our coaching, 
it is just challenging somebody on their mindset and being able to see it through a different set of eyes and, and helping them show up the next day with a different mindset. Yeah, absolutely. That's so valuable. And it's just like, it's miserable if you don't think you can do it. I, I think that's an obvious thing, but it's definitely not. And people struggle with that. And yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you have anything to add, Sherry? I think we go back to the saying a lot, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm-hmm. And I, I think to what Marcia said, it, it, it's, we so often are the biggest obstacle in our own success because we're afraid to try. And we'll be the first to admit we learned, and I think a lot of people are, we've learned so much more from our failures than we do our successes. Because think about it, if you fail at something, you've taken the chance, so you've grown personally already. But if you fail at it, you're going to we do anyway, we dive into that and figure out exactly what went wrong, how we could do it better, what, what, what else do we need? And it just helps us learn even more and grow and it makes whatever project we were working on even better. Marsha and I, when we were still in the corporate world, were tasked with a line in the sand initiative. And Marsha really tells the story better than I do. It had failed, I think, five times before we got it. So we felt, geez, we got the lucky straw. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're never ones to back down from a challenge. But in essence, we really dug into it to figure out why did it fail in the past, because everybody was happy to tell us that. But really then as we approach the training for it, as much how we approach training today is what's gonna be the most beneficial for that team. They need to understand the overall big picture, but they truly need to understand why it's important to them so that they could change their mindset or shift that mindset to know, okay, this is a good thing for the company, but it's also going to help me because it was going to save them time. It was going to save the company money. It was going to be better for the client in the long run. And then we trained them. The training was a missing component those other times and being able to train them on exactly some role play. So here are the things that the client's going to say. Here's how you can come back and react and, and respond to those those objectives. Objections. Thank you Perfect. to those objections. And it they really didn't skip a beat once they launched it. I think they had a few nerves, but as, as far as we're aware, that initiative's still continuing and it's still working well. If you're not willing to do the work and to look at it and say, okay, it's failed five times, it could be a sixth, but we're not going to let it. You, yeah. you have to do that. That's just how we all grow. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure that your team or your clients feel like it's okay to fail too, and they're not going to be punished for that. That is so important. And I cannot stress that enough. It, it creates a, a whole new atmosphere for your team or your clients or whoever you're working with to be able to feel okay about taking risk and actually rewarding from the risk in the end, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about the magic happens outside of your comfort zone and you just really don't know what you're capable of unless you push yourself to that limit and, and beyond. Yeah. I completely agree. That's so valuable. I think that people underestimate the those concepts a lot. And it's so necessary, though, especially to be creative and stand out in the workplace and make sure that your team's actually engaged and excited and working towards a goal that's bigger than themselves, for sure. And I think that really goes into the next point of dream big, work hard, stay focused, and surround yourself with good people. I think dream big, obviously, we just touched on that a little bit. But um, do you guys want to hop right into that and give your rundown of what that means to you guys? Sure, yeah. I think dream big for us, like lead to inspire would have never come to fruition if we just didn't believe in those dreams and 
we often joke we had to convince our husbands to be on board with us leaving the corporate world and the corporate salaries. But again, getting out of your comfort zone, dreaming big, working hard. And obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into any any successful business, staying focused for us, that was one of those things early on that we probably weren't as good at as we have become over the years. We've gotten probably a lot more focused and that maybe comes back to our initial, let's really be intentional about the projects we take on, the, the customers, clients that we work with, make sure that they align with our strengths and, and what we can bring to the table for the customer. And then I think finally, the surround yourself with good people That one is so important. I think oftentimes undervalued, but when you can show up every day and work with people that you respect, that have the same ethics values, they're wanting the same things out of life and work that you do, just the alignment happens, the partnership happens. We we really believe that when we'd work with, whether it's one-on-one with a client, a coaching client, or if it's working with an organization to help build their leadership team or to help them develop a client experience plan to really serve their customers and their clients. It really comes down to partnerships. We want to make sure that we're partnering with every person that we work with. It's not just a customer or client, but it's really a true partner. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really cool that you guys are very intentional about who you are working with and making sure that they feel valued in the partnership as well and that their ethics are the same. I think that's really important, especially with the whole concept of core values and making sure that people are aligned and working towards the same goals. It's really difficult to work towards the same goals when you don't have core values that line up or <laughs> the, the ethics that aren't totally uh, 100% the same. Yeah, that's, I love that. That's, I love your intention behind Live to Lead and all that. That's sweet. Yeah. Or in work, wherever you're at. And you have to be surrounded by people that you can trust. You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but, and whoever said, and it's been around for a long time, hire people smarter than you. Have people that, as I said earlier with Marsha and I, people who maybe have different strengths than you don't want little robots of yourself all around the building. When you have people that truly can add and, and give to your strengths and you just that's why Marsha and I work together well as a team because we can feed off of each other. We get a project. We just know we don't have to say, okay, Marsha, you do this and I'll do this. We just know who's going to do what because that's where our wheelhouse is. And that just makes all the difference in the world when you can find that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You had talked about disc profiles and that earlier. And when you think about a team and all the different people that make up a team, one of the things we share a lot is to celebrate the differences because that's what really makes your team stronger. And so often you'll see, and we think being competitive isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? That can be a really positive thing. But if people really don't celebrate the differences, if it's if they see that as competition in a bad way or that it can really be detrimental to a team and their success, if you really celebrate the, the differences and the different things that people bring to the table and truly try to understand the other person, teams work so much better together yeah. and get so much more done. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for people who are looking for different team members and they're a little bit like, who do, what do I look for? Do I look for someone who's totally different than me or do I look for someone who's very similar? What would be some advice that you would give those people? 
when Marsha and I used to do interviews together, I think you bring to the people that maybe are qualified on paper, because that's how we see initially, and there's different screening processes. So you start with the people who on paper will match what you need, but it's really that interaction you have with with them at the table. And I think instantly when we found great teammates, we knew within the first you know minute of that conversation that they either would make great teammates or for sure we're going to, we just liked them. I think for me, another step in that is to make sure, because this happened to us, we had someone that we actually liked that we were interviewing, and then we had our team do the second round of interviews, and they came back and they're like, no. Sometimes people interact differently with the leaders of the team versus their peers, and it's it does two things by having that team interview as well. It helps them to start to build a relationship with that person. So then when they start on the first day, if they are hired, it's not like starting your first day, you've already met your peers, but it's also giving that team some skin in the game. They're able to share their voice. It goes back to, to allowing them to have some, some, some input into what goes on day to day and they're the ones working with them. So that truly, I think for me, when I, it's, it's number one, getting that feeling that, yes, this is the right person, but then also having that validation when the team can can move forward and say, yep, this is somebody we want to work with. Yeah. And I think just to add to that a little bit, Sherry, is as an organization, trying to find people that fit your culture or could be your team culture. And that's what Sherry was talking about with having the team get involved with those interviews. But if you're an organization who's looking for other like-minded, good people um, that align with your values and that there's a lot of things that you can teach somebody. You can teach skills and different things like that. But if they have to bring that underlying kind of fit to the team. Yeah. So making sure that cultural fit. Yeah, for sure. I think that's so important. <laughs> I think we <laughs> undervalue that a lot going back to those core values. But then also I love how Sherry, you said, making sure your team is a part of the hire or the, the client onboarding to make sure that they're, they're definitely a fit. And also there are people that you do want to surround yourself with. Um, that's so valuable. Absolutely. Do you guys have anything else to add um, about today? We went through the four points, but obviously I would be happy to talk about anything else. I will say you had talked about onboarding, which is something else that we, we really believe in. And we talk a lot about the employee experience. So we've been in sales for the majority of our careers and really believe that in order to be able to provide a great customer experience. You've got to have team members who come into your organization and, and are proud of where they work. They really enjoy what they do and where they work every day. Yes, we help organizations to build client experience plans, but it really starts with the team and the people first. And that means having an employee experience that is top-notch. So we do a lot with onboarding. You'd mentioned that earlier. We do a lot with helping organizations evaluate their onboarding process and how do we mentor those new employees and give them a good idea of what the organization is all about and who they are and that history and the future of where they're going. But then also the team members who've been around for a number of years, um, circling back with them and finding out why did they stay. There's some stay interviews as a, a term where you can, instead of just doing the exit interviews and finding out why your team members are leaving, what keeps them there and making sure that those are things that you continue to build upon and Again, it comes back to just making sure that team member feels valued and appreciated and that you're trying to provide a great experience for them when they come into to work every day and help build your business. Yeah, 
I like the concept of the state interviews. Often you hear about the exit interviews and you want to make sure you're doing those too. But the state interviews are a really interesting concept that I don't think a lot of companies leverage, especially when they, their retention is a little bit lower or they, or their retention is higher. And how are your employees being supported for sure? I think yeah. one thing that you have to think about is employees bringing your clients or customers and with no, no morale. It's hard to bring in the customers or the clients that you're trying to uh, grab a hold of. So I exactly. totally agree with you there. Absolutely. I would piggyback off the client experience or the, the employee experience and the fact that feedback is something we hear a lot in our one-on-ones and to have a great employee experience, people need to know how they're doing and that they're doing a good job. And sometimes people say that's what they're paid for. That's what they need to do. But so often I think there's a lot of insecurity in the workplace because employees just aren't sure. Leaders aren't sure if they're doing a good job or because no one ever gives them that feedback. And that is so important just to take that time at all levels of leadership to be able to give that input because Gosh, when, you're, when your employees are excited, they're going to pass that, to Marcia's point, they're going to pass that on to the clients. And if you don't have that positive culture, it's tough. And, and people, there's a lot of job opportunities out there. And if you have good employees, you want them to stay. And it just makes a big difference if you just take a few minutes. Even we say thank you. It takes two minutes to say thank you or to leave a thank you note. We're big into handwritten thank you notes. Marsha, I'll be honest, transparent. Marsha's better at it than I am to leave little (laughs) thank you notes. But when you do, it's amazing the difference that people feel. Hey, you stayed late the other night. I saw that. I took note. Here's a $5 Starbucks gift card. It doesn't take a lot to make employees feel valued. And that's truly what everybody wants. You want to love what you do. You want to feel valued and like the people you work with. Yeah, and I I think people underestimate that there is a human need for each one of us to feel valued and appreciated, whether that's in the workforce, at home, with our friends, wherever that is in any relationship, it's a human need to feel valued and appreciated. And if leaders remembered that, their teams would be that much stronger because their team, their teammates, their team members would come in and work that much harder for them and to help them when a team member feels valued and appreciated, when they feel like they're on a winning team, when they feel like they're making a difference, they are more engaged and really they're the ones that help you to accomplish your goals and your objectives. And for those who have a hard time with a difficult conversation, because they have to have maybe a, a conversation about something that's not working, it's, it's much easier when that employee has already had the positive feedback, knowing that they do a good job. It's a lot easier to hear, hey, you're doing a great job, but we need to tweak this or we need to do this. It, it makes a big difference. And it makes those conversations easier to have too. Because there's a lot of people who won't talk about the elephant in the room because they're, they're uncertain how to do it. They, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They you know, just really don't know how to proceed with it. So the, the just letting everybody know where they stand and that they're doing a good job makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps them know where they stand all the time too. And that's very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you ladies so much for uh, joining me on the podcast today. If people want to um, reach out to you or learn more about you, what are some good ways to get in touch or uh, to find out where you guys are? Yeah. So we're on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We have a website, which is leadtoinspire.net. 
and you can leave us a note there. You can email us directly at hello at lead to inspire and dot net. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will put those in the show notes to make sure that people can access those easily. But thank you so much, ladies. I have loved learning uh, about Lead to Inspire and congratulations on the four years coming up. That's very exciting. And I'm sure that you guys are stoked about that and looking forward to continue to serving people. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.